It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I've been really good. It's been a busy, very busy day with um, lots of transfer rumors, transfer stories. But um, leaving that side of the Atlantic and uh, very happy to talk a little bit about Mexican football with you this evening. Yes, definitely. You're a busy man, as always. But we're we're going to get straight into and uh, discuss this weekend. Uh, but before that, uh, what, what well, big news is a man that's moving across the Atlantic, and that's Carlos Vela. Manu, where where's he gone? Well, he's going to LAFC apparently, and this is this is this is actually. Um, breaking as um, as this podcast as we were you know just before we started recording this podcast and um, the story is coming from um, the Los Angeles Times and the Kevin Baxter who is the main reporter for um, on soccer I guess as they say in the United States on soccer and um, he is reportedly becoming Carlos Vela is reportedly becoming the first designated player of the Los Angeles Football Club. Now, some of our listeners will be like, well, wait, what? Well, that's right. Um, the LAFC, as they're known, they used to be actually called Chivas, um, Chivas USA. And Bryce, you know who Chivas are, right? That they're the big team in Mexico. They used to have a franchise, owned yeah. a franchise in Major League Soccer, which went bust. And the concept of being a franchise team in MLS just didn't work uh, very well. So they, the team went bust and they um, rested the franchise. And um, they didn't, the last two seasons, they weren't in action. Now, then they did a major rebrand and they have a huge ownership group behind this. Um, several actors, former football players, including Mia Hamm, um, who is, of course, very well known in the United States. She's one of the, the owners. Um, I think Michael, Michael Jordan is involved as well and uh, a huge ownership group. And, um, according to Kevin Baxter, who is very, very well, um, networked in, in Los Angeles football circles. They have um, now targeted Carlos Velas. There was, of course, a lot of talk um, about Chicharito. He's gone to West Ham. The Ibrahimovic was, of course, linked to them, but he apparently was closely linked to LA Galaxy, and that move fell apart in the very last second. And um, it really, it, it's, it looks like Carlos Vela is going to be the first ever designated player when the LAFC finally kick off in March of next year so you know the um, mls season of course runs from march 
to the end of November, sometimes into December. Um, so they use the calendar year schedule. So he's he's not actually going to join the team until um, Christmas time. Yeah, I was going to say. So, so obviously, um, he, he signs for them now. But w- what does he do until Christmas time? Does he stay at Real Sociedad, or, or what? what what's to be done with him? <laughs> this is always a very tricky question. Usually, what they do, they loan him back to the European team, and he might even finish the season with whoever he's going to play. If he's going to stay with Real Sociedad, he might even finish the season with them next year and then not join the team until. Um, the summertime now i do think that's unrealistic because you know it's going to be opening the season is going to be very big for them they want to as a new franchise uh, that's such a weird word using for a soccer team isn't it so it's a new club they want to of course make a splash right it's a very highly anticipated um new franchise in mls and there's a lot of buzz around this team they, they signed Bradley as their first coach, and that was announced last week. So I'm pretty sure they will try to have him in the squad when they kick off the season in March. So I guess they will loan him out until that time comes when they need him. And may I just ask, though, where exactly uh, you know, do they go about getting, say, another 20 players? I mean, obviously they've, they've got him on board, but you know, where, where do the other players come from? Do they just give free transfers in the meantime? I mean, how does this work? You know, it's something I'm less familiar with, uh, probably uh, being uh, brought up in the, in the United Kingdom. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this is, this is of course, something that you're not used to if you're, if you're used to an open league system. And the MLS is, of course, a franchise system, you know, like all North American sports. And there's, of, of course, a lot of criticism about that. Um, don't want to get into that because that's that's opening Pandora's box. But uh, they basically will sign players on transfers. They have a budget. They have a big budget. They will sign players on transfers. They will get players through the expansion draft. Well, I'm going through a lot of terminology, aren't I, Bryce? So the expansion draft. It's going to be a business degree for me. (laughs) Yes, it will be. (laughs) Welcome to Major League Soccer. Um, The expansion draft is basically every club in Major League Soccer is going to be able to protect a core group of their own players um, next summer. Uh, Sorry, over Christmas. They will be able to protect a core group of their players. But everyone else... Um, will be able to be, be picked up by LAFC. Now, this works because when you move to a, a major league soccer club, you don't actually sign the contract with the club that you're moving to, but you actually are owned by the league rather by the club. This is this is the whole franchise system. Um, equivalent is like McDonald's, right? So if you McDonald's has franchises and they're then owned by individuals, but the, the product. All the products sold by McDonald's are McDonald's owned. So this is kind of like what MLS is like. It's a franchise where the players are all owned by the league and then distributed among the clubs. Um, the clubs then, of course, play the salary, etc. But so the players that are on the contract with other MLS teams at the moment, they can then be, some of them can then be selected by this, this um, expansion draft, as they call it. So that's one way. The other way is the the uh, super draft, which they will have, and then uh, free transfers, um, free agents that are available, and um, actual transfers. So signing players from 
from abroad, like it is the case now with uh, Carlos Vela. And I've looked at their roster. Uh, it's a huge roster. It has three players on it. The other two are being Monday at team and uh, Carlos Alvarez. And they are currently playing with Orange County SC, who are in the USL, which is the uh, second division in North America. And the Orange County, Orange County Soccer Club is going to be the farm team for for LAFC. So that's that's where they have parked some of their players for the moment. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm learning plenty here. Uh, maybe others would, would know anyway, but as, you know, it's, uh, as I said, you know, it's, it's not something that we're, we're used to in, in Europe, but uh, fascinating, uh, to be honest. But uh, another thing that's uh, fascinating is that, well, we're, we're seeing a bit of a Mexican invasion, um, not, not just in the U.S., but in L.A. as such. I mean, the Dos Santos brothers uh, are also there as well, aren't they, playing for a Galaxy uh, I mean, do you think this is because of their marketability? We always talk about you know, you know, Mexican players get a hell of a pull, don't they? They get a lot of attraction. You know, Mexico is, you know, so into their football, it's in their blood, you know, that they'll tune in to watch the likes of Chicharito or West Ham, but they're they're going to watch the, the likes of these three players, you know, in, in L.A. as well, aren't they? Yeah, and I mean, we talked about Jonathan Dos Santos going to L.A. Galaxy a bit, so... Um, want to slightly touch on that but you're absolutely right Bryce LA is a huge market for Mexican football um, it's it's where football is the football the Liga and Mexi is is the most popular and outside of Mexico of course and that's that means that signing Mexican players there is always hope that MLS teams can get those Mexican communities to go to their games um, that said MLS has now for some time broken away from going for European old timers and going the Latin American route um, and trying to sign players, not just from Mexico, but also from Central and Latin America, um, because the style of football that is played there is just better suited for Major League Soccer. And it also attracts um, the more more people going to the stadium, you know, there they will always be one or two big European stars coming in. But there's been a trend in general of Major League Soccer for South Americans and even the Europeans that are coming in. You know, we talked talk about, of course, and this is this is a gegen pressing topic. Bastian Schweinsteiger, who plays for the Chicago Fire. He he didn't even really fit, fit the profile of an old European guy coming in to collect his last paycheck because he signed at the age of 32 and he's still very much in shape to play this game. And he was a massive signing for that league and is above and beyond everyone in terms of talent and uh, current game shape. So I think the league is changing very much and um, the... The signing of Latin American players is the nice side effect is that you attract that Latin American um, population to come to your stadium and to identify with these teams. But they're also just very good players. So I think that, you know, um, Javier was a, a little bitter about Jonathan Dos Santos going to LA Galaxy. And I echo this because I feel that it was, he still had to offer a lot to his to the, his career in Europe. But at the same time, it also speaks volumes for Major League Soccer that it is developing as a league. And I think that is something that we have to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, MLS, I've said for years, I think will be one of the big uh, the big boys when it comes to uh, football leagues in years to come. I think it will take quite a bit of time 
but uh, I I think it's it's really going to uh, test the best um, in the future. Um, and it, as I think that the uh, national team will as well uh, in time. But uh, we'll we'll just have to see how that all pans out. Um, obviously, um, Los Angeles uh, Football Club, known as the Wings, will be hoping to get off to a flying start come the new year. See what I did there? Haha. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but. A bit of breaking news uh, that's just uh, come through to the uh, podcast while we've been on here. Uh, a guy that unfortunately will not be having a positive start to this season is Marco Fabian. Uh, it turns out he's uh, got a bit of a back injury and is now going to be out for two months uh, for Eintracht Frankfurt's. Um, obviously, Manu, uh, you've expressed uh, on several occasions, um, not just on the Galazzo pod, uh, but on the Gagan Pressen uh, podcast, our Bundesliga podcast, uh, just how much of a fan you are. And I mean, I think uh, you, Chris and I are all a fan. He's, he's a he's a fantastic player and a massive player for Frankfurt. And yes, while this uh, is not good news for El Trey, it's, it's also bad news for him and for Frankfurt. Yeah, it's a massive loss. I think that's something that we will have to touch on a bit on uh, in the game pressing. But I think for now, for this part, it's it's a huge loss for Altre. Thankfully, they're pretty safe in their um, CONCACAF World Cup qualification group. So they, I think they're going to be able to comp- comp- uh, compensate that. Uh, they, he wasn't always a starter at the Confederations Cup anyways, uh, which is something that I didn't quite understand uh, because he's a, he's a brilliant player. We all remember, of course, the goal he got scored against Germany where he came on later. And then he, maybe the goal of the tournament, right, Bryce? That, that, I, I would yeah. have said that, yeah. So um, you, Even though um, the Altre fans will probably want to forget that scoreline, you know, at least they had that to take away from it. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess... It's not a huge loss for Mexico because of the timing, but um, Eindracht Frankfurt will be reeling. I mean, we've seen them fall apart um, last season without Fabian. Um, but again, that's that's something that we're going to probably massively touch on on our next game pressing podcast. Yeah, for anyone into uh, German football, that is uh, the podcast to listen to. And yeah, by the sounds of it, we're going to have plenty to to cover on that. But coming back uh, to Mexico, uh, we're going to go back to, um, well, aside that's had a fantastic start to the season, and that's uh, Lubos. Um, After winning their first two games uh, after being newly promoted, well, they've went and just uh, won a third one. They've managed to win a 3-2. I did say um, last week that I believe that Lubos would beat... uh, the Pachuca 1-0 but um, well they they won by one goal I'll, I'll, I'll hold on to that but it was 3-2 they were 3-0 up at one stage uh, unfortunately not televised again uh, but um, yeah that, that, that that's an absolutely flying start for them isn't it Manu uh, we even discussed previously that Nakaxa got promoted and they seem to like to uh, you know hold tight at the back and defend but uh, Lobos are, are all gung-ho yeah, and we actually got to see highlights of this game. Um, that's nice and refreshing, right, Bryce? Uh, yeah, that, that was. I mean, uh, we've got to see very little of it. I mean, even when um, I, I went, um, before I seen the highlights, you know, I went to check out the uh, stats. I love a good stat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the stats of the game, and 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know whether they've got them up at the moment. No, they don't. Uh, they, they haven't even got the possession stats or or half the stats that they they normally have. You know, on on the sites that I go to, you know, or jewels or anything. They've got the shots. I mean, it it it's not just us that's not being able to see it. It's um it's affecting uh, most of the world really, and it it seems to be uh, such a shame. It is a huge shame, and I mean, from what we've seen from the highlights, they went up three 0 It was funny because you, Ollie, and I. We were talking on um, our Golazzo WhatsApp chat, right? And um, Ollie's like, Ollie was saying, oh, they're up 1-0. And we were like, oh, could they do it again? And then 2-0. Oh, 3-0. And <laughs> it was just one of those moments where where we all thought, it's like, wow, that's that's quite a statement because you, you know what I feel about Pachuca. It seems they... They are one of the biggest sites in Mexican football. They are, of course, the CONCACAF Champions League holder. Um, and But they have been struggling, maybe because hearing Lozano is gone. They brought in Kaisuke Honda, of course. He's he's still not played for them. Um, injury problems. There was hope that he would come in. But, I mean, you look at this side. There's, there's such a strong side, even without the likes of of um Honda and uh Lozano right and to to go up 3-0 overwhelm them almost early on that's quite a statement and yes um Pachuca were able to get almost get back into this game um almost tied it up but still I mean Lobos held on and got away with walked away with three points they now have um seven out of nine possible points three out of the first three games and that's quite significant because of how promotional relegation works. They have to get a very good point average this season in order to stay in the league, right? And they're definitely getting that right now. So for them, really, it's about just amassing as many points as possible, make sure that they have more than the likes of Veracruz, Puebla, and all these other sites that are down there. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's 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 going to help them, obviously, coming up and... You know, it's going to be based just on one year for them rather than three. Uh, they don't have uh, Copa MX to deal with, uh, which I'm sure they'll be grateful of, even though I suppose uh, most sides don't seem to take it too seriously. At least it's one less thing to to think about for them. But, uh, uh, well, as much as they, it was good news that they got the victory, um, it came at a little bit of a cost. They seemed to go out uh, and celebrate and celebrate a little bit too hard, didn't they, Manu? Um, it, it turns out that uh, Palacios and Quinanos, um, who's actually scored um, three goals uh, in his uh, first three games, scored two on the night against Pachuca, uh, went up to celebrate, got in a bit of a altercation uh, in a bar, and both ended up hospitalised. Um, it, it hasn't ended very well for uh, Palacios, has it, Manu? Yeah, they released him, and um, I, I find this odd because Quineos, is, of course, he wasn't released, and he is pretty much their best player, isn't he, Bryce? Uh, from what we, what from the, the highlights that we've seen of him, and uh, the one game yeah. that was on television, he's a fantastic player. He's on loan from Tigres, so that's probably played a role in this. The fact that they don't actually own him, and uh, there's probably contractual ob- obligations that they have to play him. Um, Tom Marshall writing for ESPN and those who don't know Tom Marshall go follow him on um, Twitter he's a fantastic voice when it comes to Liga MX he said that Quineos actually defended um, 
Palacios in this bar fight. And, um, but <laughs> he also wrote that Palacios was provoked, uh, provoked a brawl and suggested that he was in an inconvenient state. We all think, <laughs> I think we all know what that polite statement refers to. Um, it's really too bad. Uh, you know, the, 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 the problem is Lobos represents the local university, the Benemerita Universidad Autonoma de Puebla. And as such, you carry a little bit of a responsibility that you maybe don't have as a club team, a normal club team. And um, I feel we have discussed the, the role of university teams. So the, the university teams are not quite the same as university teams are in the United States or in the United Kingdom. They are, all the players are signed to professional contracts and they're not students, but at the same time, the universities are owners or at least part owners, right? And that means that, you know, you represent the student body and you represent the, the image of a university. And that, that is, that is something that is quite significant in this. And I can see why they had to, uh, make an example of him and they couldn't make an example necessarily of both of them. So they chose the player who, was more vulnerable because of his contra contract obligations and um, Palacios being owned by the club and Kineo's not, they could do it. And I, I feel like, is that fair? Maybe not, but I, I get where they're coming from. And it is really too bad because when you, when you consider where Lobos are right now and how they're doing on the field, there's such a positive story, despite, you know, the, the, the fact that they don't have a TV contract. And this, this lack of TV contract is almost playing into this feel good story because they, it's sort of this, um, Robin Hood story, isn't it, Bryce? Yeah, you, you almost feel that they're playing without pressure. Uh, they're, they're enjoying their football and yeah, you know, that they're, they're really going for this. Um, you know, their stadium's small. Uh, they're well supported, um, within. Uh, you know, the, that grind, you know, that rather loud crowd. And yeah, I mean, they have a bit of a, a carefree attitude on the pitch, attacking and and scoring goals. As I said, compared to, like I said, Nakaxa, when they got promoted, you know, it's a, it's a very different story. It's, it's quite refreshing, really. Um, how long can they keep it up for? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, we, we can all see them going either way at the moment. I mean, they've, they've got Pumas. In week four, uh, Pumas have, uh, which we'll get on to, um, having a, a bit of a, a torrid time uh, at the moment. So you could see Lubos uh, taking it to them uh, and, and scoring, and you know, because oh, Pumas have been pretty poor at the back as well, but um, you know, getting another victory. But at the same time, we could also see them losing a few games in a row. So what way it'll go, I'm not too sure. I mean, they've got a bit of a TV deal though in place now, Manu, haven't they? But I, I believe only for the United States. Yeah, and it's not confirmed. Um, I, I've heard from one source that ESPN Deportes picked them up. And that's, this is, of course, the ESPN Spanish channel in the United States. Um, this deal seems to be all but done and which is of course positive news that they at least people in the united states can watch them which means that we can basically watch them too right bryce because um that's where we get our feats from but no idea we're talking about no idea what you're talking about no it's, uh, everything legal here anyways uh i i feel that that is that is fantastic news for them but it's still no news on the mexican television deal but i'm I'm certain that the way they've been playing, the way they have been surprising teams, sooner or later, 
someone will pick them up. But <laughs> the question really is, is that are they almost, you know, in they they have this lack of television deal TV bubble, uh, lack of better terminology for it. Are they playing this good because we don't get to see it? What's going to happen once the, you know, the, the camera lights go on and they're actually on television and people can see them and the expectations will go up because everyone knows about this Lobo site now, right? That is taking this leak by storm. And yeah, yeah, that's it. I, I don't know whether, you know, the, that does play into I mean, we, we do see in different leagues around the world, we have done, you know, as we've been growing up, uh, Manu, that your newly promoted sides, you know, go into the leagues full of confidence because they're happy to be there, you know, and they sometimes they don't feel pressure. Um, whether that is aided by not being televised as well, I, I don't know. I suppose time will time will tell. I mean, I I hope for one that it it doesn't change because they've been playing such exciting football. If they had been getting one nil wins and playing pretty dreadful football, you know, and just parking the bus, maybe I wouldn't be as um, enthusiastic and excited about them. But at the moment, you know, long may it rain. I feel and yeah, you you. I don't think you're going to be too happy about the timing um, of them uh, coming to town um, to play our Pumas uh, this weekend and I think on that note uh, we should probably speak about um, well the, the biggest game of last weekend and that was the Classico Capitalino which uh, seen Club America host uh, Pumas uh, Manu what exactly happened you may not particularly want to speak about it but um, I'm going to get you to I thought First of all, I thought this this game was very good. Uh, I guess the cat is kind of out of the bag. <laughs> See what you have, what I did there. I do actually support Pumas. I, nice. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's, you know, people may ask why. Uh, I used to be a varsity rower for my un- local university here. And one of my friends um, on my team is from was from Unam, used to row for Unam. And he had this amazing rowing shirt. So... Again, Pumas are a university team. They are similar to Lobos, who we just talked about. They are owned by universities, so they have their foundation in, in UNAM, which is the largest university in Mexico, based in Mexico City. They play at the Mexico Olympic Stadium, uh, Mexico City Olympic Stadium. So they are the, the team of the intellectuals, the team of the middle class. And, um, you know, I, I can identify with that because, you know, I, my background is I have a PhD in history. I've spent uh, most of my life at universities. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but that's, you know, my background. And then uh, I, I just love that logo. There's just something so so classic about it, right? And we all, I mean, we all know that shirt, right, Bryce, that, the shirt that they have this season is, uh, again, the, the big Puma face on the middle of the shirt. Last season, they had a golden one, which looked very, very good, too. Um, the, the fact that they don't actually have a badge as a logo is just the, the face of the university, the Pumas. And the the navy blue color, and it's just something that really attracted me to them. And then, of course, when I started watching Liga MX more frequently, um, I'm one of the players that, especially last season... Kind of caught my eye was Nico Castillo, who I think is a very good player. But I also like Palencia as a coach. Uh, unfortunately, this has not been going very well. And to go, go back to the Starby, I thought this was actually a very entertaining game. The problem, of course, was that it 
again, we didn't get the result that we wanted um, as Pumas wanted because Club America, they seem to get their efficient self back. And uh, I think as, you know, as looking at Pumas, I personally have a problem because, yes, I talk about Nico Castillo and how good he is, but I mean, Bryce, we've talked about this. He's a fantastic player, but out of the top of the head, if you ask someone about that side, it'd be very difficult to really name any other player. Yeah, I can totally get behind that. I I think they struggle with quality throughout that side, as you mentioned. I mean, it's just, once again, it they just fell flat. And, you know, it, you obviously have an attachment to Pumas, but yeah, I, I totally agree. I quite like Palencia. I like his way of thinking. I like his uh, style. I like that, you know, they got Kiss, the rock band, you know, to introduce him at the club. You know, he's, he's, he's in his rock and roll. I want it to happen for him. He studied at Barcelona before, um, but it's just, um, it just doesn't seem to be working at the moment. Um, I mean, they got that first win of the season. We kind of highlighted him, didn't we, um, as one of the men to watch. Um, and, and to be honest, we kind of hoped that he'd be able to pull things around. But it, it just doesn't seem to be happening. And, you know, Lubos uh, coming to town, um, as I said, is, is not going to be good news for them, I, I feel. Lubos... Um, I like to get down the wings, put the ball into the box. And they're quite direct in that way. Um, Pumas are also direct, but I just don't think they'll be able to uh, to shut them out. Um, you're probably right. I, I think probably an investment's needed there. I mean that the, they can't seem to be uh, or they can't seem to keep our goals at the moment. Um, Club America, on the other hand, I suppose uh, we we should probably talk about them as they're they're in the in the opposite uh, situation. They um, lost their first game, but um, seem to be finding their feet a little bit uh, with uh, Piojo uh, in charge once again. Um, yeah, I, I I just have a feeling, Manu, that um, Club America are going to be there or thereabouts uh, for the uh, championship. Um, that might be a really obvious statement to make uh, for some people. But, um, yeah, obviously, I, I, I just think that the, them and Tigris, no matter what their starts are like, they're always going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, and we've talked about many times how Club America... Uh, this the strong and powerful side of Mexican football and doing the research for the preview for this game which we had on footballsidage.com and did quite a bit of research into this derby and it is you know it is the Clásico Capitalino but it's not necessarily the biggest game in Mexican football that would be reserved for Chivas against Club America right and when the, when the time comes for that game we'll, we'll definitely get into that but Club America they are the, the, the team of the rich and the powerful. And, you know, they're owned by this massive media conglomerate, Televisa. And Televisa is, you know, people who are familiar with um, Latin America a little bit know that in Latin America, television is the source of power. Um, those who are, of course, in mid familiar with Brazil know that Globo is, you know, is almost like the government. Televisa is similar. Televisa is the state. Televisa has the power to do more to transcend and i think club america represents that so even though they they went through a bit of a rough patch uh, in the the clausura last season where they didn't look good and they missed out on liguella remember they were at the final at the upper tour where they very narrowly lost out to tigers 
So they are a powerful sign and they had just had a very horrible half season. Then they went out and brought in Herrera, right? And um, Herrera has his critics. We have spoken about him many times on this pod. He is a very difficult person, but he is a fantastic coach, isn't he, Bryce? I mean, you see it at this game. He just he makes the squad better. And he, he's as a personality, is so equipped to make a club better. And I think that there, there's a few, few little bit of house cleaning to do at Club America, but they are winning their games. And because Herrera knows what to do, and I mean, we're going to touch about that in a moment. Look what happened to Tijuana without Her- Herrera. He's that's the kind of coach he is. So I think. Realistically speaking, Club America will be there or thereabouts when it comes to the, the title decision of the upper tour. Yeah, it sounds like such an obvious thing to say, really, doesn't it? But um, I suppose people thought, you know, with Piojo coming back in, oh, they should do well again. Uh, it should go back to uh, when they had him in a few years ago. But quite often it's not as simple as that. I mean, if you, if you look at the uh, the Premier League, you know, because um, obviously I'm, I'm based uh, in, in England, uh, when Mourinho came back to uh, Chelsea, it, it didn't all go that well. And sometimes, you know, these things don't, you know, this reunion doesn't go as well. And uh, but it, it seems to have started off on a positive note. I mean, yes, we're only three games in, but uh, it's going in the right direction for him. And uh, as you said, you know, when we look at um, Tijuana, yeah, they're they're going in the opposite direction. And I think that this is because uh, Herrera, as you said, he he's a bit of a firecracker, isn't he? You know, you you're just waiting for him to to do something. He's probably going to assault uh, someone. He'll certainly insult somebody um, as the season goes on. But um, he seems to be able to get the best out of his players. He seems to be a very good man management, I think. I think the players like him for that. They like the uh, the, the almost uh, fiery character that he brings to the dressing room. And, uh, you know, he, he even had a, a fairly successful time you know, with, with El Trey before, I, once again, he uh, that firecracker went off, you know, and, um, and he had to be dismissed. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be positive times uh, for them. And what is actually going to be a rather fascinating game uh, next week is that uh, Club America are going to be away to Atlas. Um, Atlas uh, where uh, two games uh, and two wins, um, 100% record going into this weekend. But they managed uh, to lose, didn't they? They, they lost to, to Luca. I, I don't think a lot of people um, had really seen this one coming, Manu, had they? Well, I did highlight that as the game of the week. Just want to point that out. After all my sandwiches were stolen by you guys. Fair enough. <laughs> you did well. Um, it's because I do like Toluca and I do actually like Atlas too. I think those are two sides. Everyone in Liga MX always talks about Chivas, Pumas, um, Club America, of course. You know, But we tend to overlook... Um, Teams like Toluca and Atlas. And Atlas, of course, they're in the shadow of their local rivals, um, Chivas, right? Like Chivas, they are based in Guadalajara. And they have a very good side um, as to Toluca, you know. And Toluca, of course, they they lost their goalkeeper the match day before that. Uh, Talavera was out, was out with an injury in his knee, but... And it's expected to be out till um, for till actually till the closeura. So that's a huge loss for them. But 
it's a strong side and it's a fun, really fun side to watch. Um, and, you know, for our English listeners, uh, a little fun fact, Antonio Pedrosa, one of the strikers, actually has an English passport. So uh, maybe something to check out when there's, there's striking options are once again failing for uh, the three lines. But it's a, it's a fun oh, side. You, you... German is each right. <laughs> Had to bring that in there. Don't, no, but don't worry. I'm, I'm from Northern Ireland. It's fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, they're anyway. fun side to they're fun side to watch. Both of these teams are fun teams to watch, and this this was an, a fantastic game to watch. Um, you know, on on this match day, and I can just say what I said. You know, go watch this game. Uh, yeah, definitely. If you can get the highlights, uh, tune in on. Unfortunately, um, uh, Ollie and I got a little bit excited, uh, didn't we? We sent out a tweet saying that our prediction was that uh, Atlas would uh, reach the final. Uh, this when they were 2-1 up and then two goals. Uh, well, one goal on the 83rd and one on the 85th uh, made us uh, eat our words. But they still but, might. Uh, it, they still yeah, might. It's, it's not it's a bad crowd. But it, just, it was funny how quickly we had jinxed them for that game mm. anyway. But... Um, I, I would love to see Atlas uh, get to the final uh, for the reason is they haven't won it, which I've mentioned several times. They haven't won, won it since, I think, 1953. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're well overdue, you know, um, some glory there. Um, but also the, they play some great football. They play some attacking football and, and thoroughly enjoyable. You know, I, th- I think um, I, I think why not? Why not Atlas there? I, I kind of wanted them to go a bit further last year, but as soon as they got to like yeah, they they seemed to fall apart. But um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. They went to Toluca, you know, to, things were fairly close, and yeah, I mean, why not? Why not this year, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, let's uh, let's move on and uh, just uh, mention um, well a few of the other games. We've got plenty of uh, good games going on here, but. Um, Tigres, um, another team which um, I suppose more obviously um, would be uh, suspected to be in the Ligia uh, final. Uh, just like the likes of Club America, we kind of expect them to wake it up a little bit. They, they've drawn two and uh, and it was another draw this week against uh, Kotaro. But um, yeah, uh, Manu, there's obviously um, Tigres are in the headlines or gathering the headlines for for other reasons aren't they yeah um the chant i'm not going to say what the chant is if you're interested to know there's enough written about it the word is so offensive homophobic and all those things i'm not going to say it on this part um there's been plenty said there's an article on football on the chant as well it's usually shouted right after the goalkeeper kicks the ball. Um, but there has been a lot of inroads being done, including during the Confederations Cup, to stamp this um, homophobic chant out and get it rid of it out of the stadium because we don't want this. We don't want to offend people because of their sex, race, and their religion. That has no place in football. And Tigers have come up with something very creative that whenever the goalkeeper um, boots out the ball, they shout Tigris. And I like that. I think that's that's very good um, to get rid of it that way. Um, another way has been that fans are shouting out, you go. Um, that's been done in the United States. Also better than chanting um, a swear word. 
So I, th I think that is a very positive story. On Tigris themselves, I think they have to be a little disappointed, right, Bryce? Because, you know, we all expected massive things from them. And they walked into the season um, with a 5-0 win. Um, three goals by Anna Valencia. And then last week, it, they they looked very much in control too. But then it kind of really fell apart from them. Anna Valencia got sent off and... Uh, another draw against the Carretaro side that Ollie, you and I identified as maybe the most dreadful team to watch in Liga MX in this early on in the season. Yeah, they're, they're pretty dire to watch uh, Carretaro. But um, yeah, T Tigres, yeah, they, they won their opening game 5 0, didn't they? And uh, we all kind of expected them to railroad teams. Uh, then they went away to uh, Santo Laguna and, you know, San Santo. You know, can never be underestimated. I I always enjoy watching them. I just like I do Atlas. You know, they they're um, they, they they tend to um, well in that game anyway. They they had a lot less of the ball from from what I recall, um, but um, were just as powerful in attack. Um, you know, and uh, creating plenty of chances. So maybe uh, maybe Tigres underestimated them a little bit or got a little bit too confident. You know, after that first uh, win and obviously the sending off of Ener Valencia, who went from a hero to zero uh, in the in the space of a week, yeah, it didn't help. Um, I mean, this week as well. I mean, yeah, Quintero. You know, it's have been poor. They're they're not a great side to watch, really. It's um, it's a shame for any of their fans at the moment. Um, I I seen um, some fascinating stats actually uh, for anyone that's into stats about um, obviously um, well Tigres had 66% of the ball in this uh, game, which is obviously just shows how one sided it, it was. Uh, it, you had other stats like 17 shots to four uh so it was rather one-sided but um the passes uh, uh the pass accuracy was uh, incredible they had an average pass accuracy of 90 percent but four of their midfielders um had 95 percent or above which just shows you how much dominance um they actually had in that game but it all failed you know, to to capitalize into to a win and I would imagine that this is an off night. I can't imagine them having 17 shots again, uh, having so much possession, so much pass accuracy, and them not you know, scoring again, especially with the firepower that they've got on the pitch. Uh, we, we, we mentioned your um, Club America, and you know, and obviously Tigres should be mentioned in this as well. And these are sides that you know are there or thereabouts every year. And when it comes to Ligia as well, they they just seem to find a little bit of form. They up their game and then they they manage to to get the goals that they need, you know. Um, especially like, Tigers, especially Tigers. Remember how yeah. dreadful they were in the Clausura last season, they and they still managed to yeah, and they still managed to fight to reach the final. It's it's really odd. Once they they almost they almost switch into a different gear, and I think that's yeah. that's the biggest plus and the biggest minus because I've seen it live in stadium where they. They almost seem to switch off because they're not challenged, because they have such a massively talented side. Um, some even claim they're maybe the best team outside of Europe. And there is something to that, right, Bryce? And I've seen them completely switch off against uh, teams that are not on their level. And then the moment they get into a dangerous situation, more often than not, they're able to switch up one or two gears and get the job done. But 
it's also a dangerous path to go down to, right? Right, because every if you do that week in and week out, that's that's extremely tiring. Yeah, and it's 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 a dangerous game to play because you know all of a sudden you lose two or three games, you miss the the gear, and I mean we 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 obviously said that they they happen to turn good at the right time, mm. but then they kind of deflate again. You know when it comes to finals, and we've mentioned that plenty of times as well. I mean. Obviously, in the uh, in the Clausura final last year, I mean, they were two 0 down. You brought it back to two all right at the end. You know, with Gignac, um on absolute fire. You know, it was two all. Then they went into the second leg and they just didn't show up at all. And you know, we 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 thought that they might have a surge towards the, end of the game again, but they they just ran out of it. And this is the example that we've now got that we're talking about at the moment. That you know. They don't seem to be consistent in their performances. You know, they've they've got a team that you should expect them to to win. You know, nine, well, nine and a half times out of ten, really. You know, and and it's it it just seems like they're stumbling again. I mean, who's to say? We're we're three games in. They might win the next five games, and then we'll say, okay, yeah, they're they're back. You know, this this is what we expected from them. But there's something not quite there, and so I can't really put my finger on it. Can you? No, I can't. And it's, I'm looking into starting 11. And this is, again, this is without, without Anna Valencia. And he managed in a 3 4 3 system to, to get the likes of Gignac, Sosa, Vargas, Dam, Aquino, Celarian, and Duenas all playing. Um, that's yeah, a lot, phenomenal. That's a lot of firing <laughs> power. And, and uh, just, I look at this, and this is without Anna Valencia, right, Bryce? And, but you, you shouldn't even need him in there. I mean, obviously, no. yes, he's going to help. And you know, he's, we talked about, uh, you know, when he came in, that that's another option for them. And if they can't get a goal, then you can bring him on or you start him and you bring somebody else on or whatever. But, you know, you, they almost they should they shouldn't have problems scoring goals anyway, especially against, you know, Carataro. No, and that's that's exactly it. Um, Carataro, of course, was the side that was linked to Fernando Torres. Boy, would they need him. But um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, they could do with Ronaldinho. Yeah, they, or anything, yeah, they tried that. That didn't really work for them. But <laughs> um, I mean, I'm looking at this lineup, and Tigers is is a side that baffles me in so many ways because of the talent that they have, and the the fact that they they always you know they always get to the finals, and the consistency to get to finals is, is staggering. But when you then actually translate it to actual league play, it seems sometimes so ordinary. And that's maybe something that needs to be addressed. But, I mean, we have this phenomenon in North America where, you know, we have playoffs, of course, too, where you have teams that that go through the regular season just to make the playoffs and then go into a different gear And, and the, when the playoffs come around. And, you know, they're, they're cup teams. And maybe that's what Tigers are. And yes, they don't always win all their finals. In fact, that's one of their biggest um, downsides, maybe. But on the other hand, they always get to the final, right? Which is, of course, the big money-making thing. And they win. They pick up quite a, a huge amount of titles, too. Of course, the one that's still evading them is the international title. But that might come sooner rather than later. So I guess, Bryce, we can, we can pretty much agree you need to mention Tigris as one of the sides that's going to probably win the title. 
Yeah, I'd I'd be surprised if they're not semi-finals, if not uh, finalists, to be honest. Um, But quite an interesting game uh, next week. Uh, They're going to come up against uh, Pachuca and... It'll just be interesting to see if Pajuka can, you know, get themselves going. Might I, be game I, of the week. That might be the game of the week. Might, might well be. I mean, the, the thing is with Pachuca, you can either see them finally getting a, a bit of a result there or or just being railroaded, you know, by Tigres. That maybe we'll find a bit of focus after this. Uh, but, yeah, Pachuca are going to have to do uh, something soon, you know, they're... They've, they've looked pretty dire as well. It'd be exciting if Honda could make this one, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be a little too early for him. Uh, but an, another side that um, have done so well in the in the last two competitions, actually, finishing at top of the uh, league, um, even though they then uh, fell a little bit short in the Ligia stages, is uh, Jolos or, uh, or Tijuana. And, yeah, they've they obviously seen a managerial change, uh, you know, Herrera going to, back to uh, Club America, uh, but they they're they're at the root of the table. You know, it's three games, three losses, six goals conceded, and and they've yet to even score. I mean, Manu, what what appears to be going wrong here? I mean, is 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 it one thing? Is it numerous things? Yeah, this it's, it baffles me a little bit because I thought that they that <laughs> that they would be able to compensate. Um, the the loss of Hurtado, right? We we spoke of, before the season. Actually, we spoke about that. How big of a loss that's going to be? Herrera, the coach, of course. But um, it's just falling apart for them. This the system isn't working. They're playing four four two. They brought in Gustavo Bo, of course, as the new signing, and we expected big things from him, didn't we, Bryce? And we actually had him as one of the ten players to watch. Um, before this Liga MX season, um, Football Sidaja article on that, and we highlighted it on the pod, but nothing, absolutely nothing. And this is a site that won uh, the Clausura and Upper Tour, if I'm not mistaken, during the regular season, and yet did not do well in the playoffs. And you almost wonder if they just attempted to completely rebuild um, to completely rebuild to sort of get a player winning team together but whatever it's they're doing now it's it's definitely not working yeah that's it and uh, I mean I suppose like this week they lost to uh, Monterey didn't they at home and we we did say that Monterey were going to have a, a hell of a lot of firepower as well and probably another team that are there going to be there or thereabouts in the championship but um I I mean uh, before the, the the season has started and so obviously I said that they've uh, they've lost three games on the bounce, um, you know that they, they hadn't been beat at home in twenty nine uh, Liga MX games and by Liga MX standards that's phenomenal that's absolutely unbelievable it's, it's unheard of to be honest um, obviously they lost their first game of the season at home to Cruz Azul which uh, was not just a su- surprise uh, to them but a surprise to everybody I think um, Cruz Azul uh, this week uh, drawing with uh, Leon uh, in a 2 all. by the way just to give you a little bit of update on their uh, situation uh, but um, if we look at just a, another uh, relegation uh, threatened side probably the most uh, threatened side and that's uh, Vera Cruz uh, we've mentioned several times before if uh, if you think that it's just you finish bottom and you 
go down, you get relegated. That is not quite the case in Liga MX. Refer to our first podcast where we go over the rules. But basically, um, it's the average over three years, the points average. And for per uh, Veracruz, they are uh, quite a bit behind everyone at the moment. So, uh, yeah, they're they're going to be happy that they managed a 2-0 win um, over the weekend. And I don't really think anyone's seen that one coming either. They managed to beat uh, Puebla 2-0 with a 2 absolute glance as well a, a fantastic free kick and then a, a brilliant chip uh, Puebla's defense uh, just absolutely uh, fell apart uh, but um, yeah we can only hope that they can um, well at least make it interesting and get another few wins and uh, draw that a little bit closer but um, Manu we, we, we discussed uh, with uh, Steve Graff uh, on uh, Twitter if, if, you, if you're not following him by the way uh, definitely check him out uh, a very knowledgeable fella uh, plenty of uh, useful information on Liga MX uh, and a variety of other things uh, but um, he pointed out to us that it's not quite as simple as Veracruz might go down in another side from the Asenio might that might come up uh, what exactly is going on there? Yeah, this is... Ascenso is actually a fun league to follow. Almost as complicated as Liga MX because, you know, you on the way you get promoted from that league is you either win them both leagues and or you win one and then a final between the two winners. And we, we discussed this when we first talked about Lobos um, a few weeks ago, right, Bryce? So... As difficult it is to go down, uh, it's also very difficult to go up. And you can actually go up without ever winning the Ascenso. Um, and this, I mean, the regular season with that. And Lobos, I think their highest ever finish in the regular season was sixth. Yet they're in Liga MX. Go figure. But yes, um, <laughs> the, the problem with the... So Liga MX is, in my opinion, the strongest league outside of Europe at the moment. The... Problem with Mexican football, of course, is that, and this is something that they have now is kind of hurting them during these, the World Cup bit in 2026, is that the, um, the league structure underneath Liga MX isn't quite as strong. The Ascenso is a very competitive league and a fun league to watch, but only a handful of teams have the kind of level. So you have to imagine Liga MX is a European league. It has all the stadiums and all the requirements and the structures, etc., of a Euro of one of the big European leagues. And I mean, like this, a European league like Germany, England, France, Italy, Spain. The Ascenso, unfortunately, doesn't have the same kind of level than those leagues in Europe have underneath. the The gap is um, is to a certain extent quite significant. And I mean, this is in, in structural in, in in terms of structure. A lot of times stadiums don't meet the requirements. Stadiums are not big enough. Teams don't have the squad size. A lot of times players don't get paid in this league either. And this is, this is of course, one of the big problems of Mexican football. And it also translates sometimes to the national team that the, that the uh, foundation of Mexican football, league football, isn't as strong as it is in Europe. So the problem now is that only six teams currently in Liga MX meet the requirements to actually get promoted. And those teams, Atletico San Luis, Atlante, Celaya, Juarez, Sinaola, and uh, UDG, which is another um, university team, Leones Necos, who play uh, out of Guadalajara. So only those six teams can actually get promoted because they for currently fulfill the licensing um, necessary for Liga MX. Um, the remaining teams, um, 
if they will win the league, they will not get promoted, which then, of course, would save the team in Liga MX. Although the, the way I see it, I'm pretty sure that one of those six teams will actually finish uh, and win league, the Ascenso next year. So the remaining teams will just earn um, $120 million uh, Mexican pesos, um, which is basically the money awarded to the team winning the league anyways, but they will not get promoted. So this is, of course, a bit of um, a downer if, you, if you're one of those teams that um, are playing down there and you're trying to get promoted. Uh, but it's also, I guess, to ensure that the the lower division meets the standards necessary um, for for Mexican football to grow, and it forces the teams in Ascenso to say, like, look, if we want to get promoted, we'll have to get our act together, and we have to build the stadium, we have to build the infrastructure, and we have to help Mexican football to grow to stand on strong foundation, and it, it, it's happening. Um, want to point out one example: Atlético San Luis. Um, we were bankrupt. They returned now after one year hiatus and they were actually bought by Atletico Madrid. So they're going to act as a farm team in Mexico for Atletico Madrid. So look out for that. They're not, of course, not yet allowed to be promoted into Liga MX, but an interesting long-term project going on there in Mexico right now. And if they do get promoted, can we see, um, Fernando Torres join them? <laughs> I, I don't think that would be really in Atletico Madrid's interest. When you look at this squad right now, it's a lot of very young players um, brought in from all over uh, Mexico, but also from from uh, from South America. There is a player from Atletico Madrid on loan, Boya Gonzalez Tejeda, um, who's only 21, a Spanish player who, who played for Atletico Madrid B last year. And he's actually going playing in Ascenso right now, but so it, it's a, an interesting one. I, I think it's actually a smart move to identify that league for European sides and say, well, this is this is there's good football to be played there. The structural weaknesses are one thing, but the football is actually very strong. So I think it's actually an interesting move by Atletico Madrid to identify that and to say, look, this is where we want to send our players long-term and where we want to scout and scout this league because, you know, obviously having a club there also allows you to scout the league a little bit better. Yeah, most certainly. And yeah, as much as it'll be frustrating for the sides that do try to go up, um, I, I think it's it's a good thing to keep standards up. But uh, Vera Cruz, um, if they uh, didn't improve and they managed to avoid the drop, Boy, would they call themselves lucky, eh? Uh, but, uh, yeah, Veracruz will be playing uh, Santos Laguna uh, coming uh, next week. It'll be the last game of the weekend. And speaking of games this weekend, Manu, uh, well, I think I know which one you're going to pick anyway. But uh, what's, uh, what game are you going to highlight next week before we uh, finish up the pod? Oh, Bryce, there's, there's always so many good ones. Um, I, there is. Uh, I'm looking at them going... Oh, there's a few I want to mention, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll just pick the one. But I'm gonna let you go first. Oh, I'll pick Monterrey against Guadalajara. I think that's. Oh, I shouldn't have let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> what, you know, but to be fair, Rice, there's at least three or four other games that I'm seeing that it's very true that you could easily pick, and it still be a massive game. But that's the one I'm picking. I'm really curious to see. Uh, Monterey. I haven't actually seen them yet this season. Um, I have focused more on other games, so this will be my first Monterey game of the season. Yeah, and a, a very good game it should be. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be keen to tune in for that one as well. But 
As you said, um, yeah, there's there's plenty of other exciting games to go on. Uh, oh, which one will I go for? I'm going to give a shout out for uh, Pumas versus uh, Lobos um, because I, I think Lobos can do it again. I, I do. I, I think they can win again. Um, unfortunately, you're not going to like to hear that, Manu, but uh, I think think it's very possible. Um, but uh, let's see. Um, the, the game I'm going to highlight has got to be Pachuca versus Tigres. Obviously, uh, two of the big boys uh, competing. Uh, Pachuca, as we said, um, have had a torrid start. They've yet to get a point on the board. Uh, Tigres, after that draw last week, I think they're going to be out for blood. So uh, I think that could be a, a, a rather interesting one. Oh, even Atlas uh, Club America probably yeah. should show up for that one. It's There's, Friday they're, night, they're, right? Yeah, there's a lot of good games, isn't there? Yeah, they're wow. Uh, you know what? If you tune into any of the games this weekend, you'll probably get a good one. Yeah. Um, that, that's the feeling I have. I think this is going to be uh, the best uh, game week we have so far. Uh, but, uh, yeah, guys, I think we're going to more or less wrap it up there. Uh, Manu, by the sounds of it, you're going to have tons going on this week. Is there anything you'd like to draw people's attention to and where can they find you online? Yeah, um, people can find me online on Twitter at Manuel Veth. Um, yeah, ask questions about any of the podcasts we do. Feel free to answer. Always ask us questions, actually. We, we are always happy to, to answer them. And then, of course, uh, at Football Grad Live is where you can find uh, Bryce's, my work. Um, John McKenzie was just joined us. Excellent article on Gladbach. Want to highlight that. Chris Williams, of course, always busy. Um, lots of good writing from him as well, but also Andrew Flint and all of the other guys that we have on, on Football Grad Live. Um, we have, you know, we're really growing in the last two or three months to have a lot of different writers on there and there's so much happening all the time. So I really want to highlight all the good work that everyone has put in um, to really help this network grow. Yeah, that's it. Football grad has just got better and better and better with uh, the the fantastic uh, contributors coming on board. Um, and yeah, I think uh, Manu, you you can uh, count yourself very lucky with the with the talent you've got. Obviously, I'm going to exclude myself for that. But uh, the likes of uh, John coming in, uh, you know, uh, recently, um, you know, he he's been a fantastic addition, hasn't he? And so yeah, check out that uh, Gladbach uh, preview if you're interested in uh, Bundesliga and German football. I, I think. Uh, Football guys going to have quite a few uh, other Bundesliga previews coming up um, amongst plenty more. Uh, but yeah, guys, thanks very much for tuning in as always. Um, I'm sure we're going to have another exciting week and maybe we'll have uh, Ollie and Javier back uh, next week. But until then, uh, thank you very much and enjoy the weekend's football. be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.